some of the things Foursquare is doing around the nation, but also around the world, um, I think you'll be encouraged. It is an exciting time to be uh, in Foursquare. In fact, we, um, we prayed. We prayed. At, how many of you were at the worship night last Wednesday night? A lot of you were. Phenomenal time. We prayed uh, for our time in Washington, D.C. I wanted you to know, um, actually, I, I, I took, I, I, yeah, I got on my phone. Um, so we were in Washington, D.C. Our president of Foursquare, his name is Glenn Burris, and from Washington, D.C., he went to Rome, and he was a part of a celebration of the charismatic renewal. Some of you remember that. Some of you walked through the charismatic renewal back in the 60s when the Holy Spirit was poured out on some of these denominations, poured out on the Catholic Church. Um, and so he was invited to Rome to celebrate the 50-year anniversary of that. Uh, he has pictures. We, this is where they sat him. It was the Pope, a lady, and then our president. It was two people away from the Pope. So he has pictures of him next to the Pope. He got to meet the Pope. But um, he, this is what he wrote. And I love this. He wrote this 23 hours ago. He says, we are in the upper room today. We are here to ask the Holy Spirit to fall on each of us. Tongues of fire fell on them all. It resulted in unity and a love for one another. The charismatic renewal was not just given to the Catholic Church 50 years ago. It was ecumenical. It was given to everyone to turn people into courageous witnesses for Christ. And so I know that's what we prayed for at Washington, D.C. That's what we continue to pray, that the Holy Spirit would fall on everyone, everyone who believes in the Son, that He saved us of our sins. The Spirit would come and make us all alive in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's pray for our tithes and our offerings. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and well. We're not here just to go through a couple of rituals. We're not here just to check off the list of all the procedures of religion. We are here to meet with you, our living God. We pray that you would speak to us, that you would engage with us, that you would uh, abide with us, as Scott so eloquently said, Lord. We want to be with you. Without you, we are nothing, but in you, Boy, life is good. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd also encourage you, um, as, the, as you watch this video, I want to remind you that next year the convention is in Seattle. It does cost a little bit of money. You would have to take some vacation days, but it's well worth it. My boy, Trevin, most of you guys know Trevin, right? 15 years old. Uh, he was actually healed of scoliosis and a flat arch uh, while we were in Washington, D.C. He comes back from session. He says, I'm healed. And so second service, he's actually going to talk about it a little bit, but uh, hallelujah. In over 150 countries around the world, we are there. Sometimes publicly, in churches, large and small, gathering in houses of worship, schools, flats, and parks. Sometimes in the shadows. Working in the darkest reaches of the globe to free captives, empower the helpless, and care for those the world's overlooked. We may not look the same, sound the same, even think the same, but we're one movement, one tribe, compelled by the love of Christ. We're instigators. Valdir Falcone, standing in the streets of his majority immigrant town with a simple sign, letting passersby know they are loved and welcome in greater Boston. Beth Ivester, engaging in the unique culture of her Portland neighborhood by creating Swap and Play, a place for families to bring their children and find support in community, beginning spiritual conversations through her local business. 
We're activists. Brenda Keene, spending her days in the dusty slums of Nairobi, Kenya, pulling women out of unthinkable situations, giving them jobs, dignity, and a new identity in Christ. Juan Muskis, overseeing a training center in Tijuana, Mexico, where former addicts, cartel members, and drug traffickers are trained as pastors before being sent home to their own communities, changing and saving lives in one of the most violent cities of his country. We're evangelists. Justin Matera, a Brooklyn-born and raised graphic designer with a passion for his hometown, starting a church in the heart of his city to reach a generation so easily swallowed by the glamour and pressure of New York, opening doors for those that have long since left the faith. Isan Ospek, leading the largest evangelical organization in Turkey, putting his life on the line daily to ensure his fellow Turks hear the good news of Jesus, ministering to the growing number of refugees in his country, and encouraging believers in closed countries throughout the Islamic world. How does such a diverse tribe exist? It started with our founder, Amy Simple McPherson, who took a very different approach from the evangelists of her time. She chose a message of hope over fear, preached to both the social elite and the down and out. She fought to destroy racial, gender, and socioeconomic barriers. And we continue that fight to this day leading the way in opening up new countries, establishing churches in our forgotten urban cores, empowering both women and men as pastors, and raising up indigenous national leaders to oversee missionary works. Amy utilized technology, media, and the arts to spread the gospel. She wanted to build a church that interfaced with contemporary culture instead of shying away from it. She envisioned a church that would grow stronger over time, always progressing, always centered around the Bible and its transforming power. And that spirit remains alive today. We're a church for today's world, a church willing to take risk, to go places others won't, to embrace people others fear, to try things others haven't. This isn't just pastors and missionaries. This is the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And that means each of us Regardless of profession, talent, income, age, or gender, each of us plays a role in spreading the message of Christ to our world. Because we are Foursquare. And this is church reimagined. All right. Amen, right? Not bad. Pretty exciting. Also, I wanted you to notice I'm wearing this shirt, which I think is a really good shirt, right? It's pretty cool. I got this shirt. Uh, we work, uh, as you know, with Reverend Maxwell over in Ghana, but I've also been trying to build a relationship with the Foursquare Church in Ghana. Uh, this last time I was able to minister finally at the, the main uh, Foursquare Church over there, which is really exciting. The president of Foursquare Ghana, his name is uh, Reverend Christopher Ahankra, and he was at convention in Washington, D.C. So I, I finally found him. I was like, you know, Reverend, it's, it's Dan. Dan Burr showed him my name tag. He goes, Oh, he goes, I have presents for you. And so he said, come up to my room. So I went up to his room, and he had two shirts for me. I have so many Ghanaian shirts. If you ever want to borrow a Ghanaian shirt, I have one for you. I, literally, I have like 20 Ghanaian shirts because they keep on giving them. It's just amazing. They're so generous, so full of uh, life and love. And so he gave me this shirt, and it fits really well. I really like this shirt. So Reverend Ahankra from Ghana sends his warmest greetings 
to all of you. I also wanted you to know in the next couple of weeks, I didn't plan it this way, but it's just kind of how the schedule is laid out. Next Sunday, our founding pastor, Pastor Chad Skilperort. Many of you uh, remember Chad. He's going to be preaching next Sunday morning. He's going to be here. So pretty excited about that. Make sure you come. Invite your friends and family uh, to, to be here. And, and maybe people that used to come to Life Spring, you can invite them to come back and, and say hi to Pastor Chad. And then the next Sunday... All the way from Ghana, Africa, Jacob, missionary Jacob, brother Jacob will be here and he's going to share about what God is doing in Ghana. Awesome, right? Now, Jacob is heading back to Spokane uh, to, to live over there and pursue some things over there. But before he goes, he, he's going to share with us. And, and I also uh, want to pray for him and, and send him off right uh, the things that God is doing right now over there, it's just ramped up. It's like a snowball. He texts me almost every day saying, you want to believe this, and you can't believe this, and this is incredible. So that's going to happen the next couple of weeks. And then starting in July, July and August, I'm going to be preaching an eight-week series on Jesus. Um, Israel and Washington, D.C., and just some other things, uh, there's a lot going on in my heart right now, a lot going on in my mind. And I just can't seem to fit it all into one message or one email. So we're going to spend eight weeks talking about what, what I feel like the Lord is wanting to do and is doing uh, in our community. So it's going to be pretty fun. July and August, uh, normally churches kind of take a break during those times. I don't know why it is, but at Life Spring, we always kind of seem to take it up a notch in July and August. Um, one day I'll learn my lesson, but until then, we're going to go for it. So please, please, please uh, engage as much as possible uh, in that series. Uh, today, in case you forgot, that's the series, right? In case you forgot, it's the idea that sometimes, don't you know, not that we're judging anyone, not that we're even judging me, but sometimes I forget. Don't you forget, sometimes just like you forget that Mount Rainier is over there because it's so cloudy and so rainy, sometimes we can forget who we are in Jesus, right? You can forget what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. And so I've really enjoyed the series. We've taken four pretty familiar passages from the Bible, and we've gone deeper, right? Just a little deeper into each one of these passages, looked into the Word of God, taken a step back, and seen once again, let the, the Lord and the Word of the Lord remind us what it means to be a Christian. Today's uh, passage is found in the book of Galatians. Galatians is in the New Testament. If you have your Bible, your smartphone, tablet, anything like that, go ahead and open it up to the book of Galatians. Paul, the apostle, wrote the book of Galatians. He wrote most of the, or much of the New Testament. But this is one of his letters to the Galatians. It was circulated throughout uh, the early church. We're going to spend our time in chapter 5 of Galatians. And specifically, if we're narrowing it down to that passage that we're going to go deeper into, we're in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. Once you hear it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I know that verse. This is a good one. But the fruit of the Spirit, let's say it together, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Keep on reading. Against such things there is no law. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Absolutely. Because, see, we're followers of Jesus. Most of us in this room, we follow Christ. And as people who follow Jesus, guess what? We are a people who live by the Spirit. We live by the Holy Spirit. And as people who live by the Holy Spirit, who are led by the Holy Spirit, hopefully there is some evidence of this in our daily lives. And this evidence, maybe we could even call it some fruit, right? 
some fruit of this spirit-filled and spirit-led life. And Paul is saying, you know what, Pastor Dan, there actually is. There is some fruit of walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And the fruit is this. It's love and joy and peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul would say, Pastor Dan, against such things, there is no law. And as believers in Christ, we read that verse, and it's kind of encouraging, isn't it? It's encouraging because you read it, you go, you know what? That is who I am. Like today, that is who I am. I am walking, producing uh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit inside of me, producing the fruit of the Spirit in my life. It's pretty encouraging. But you know why else it's encouraging? Is that there's also hope for tomorrow that I'm even going to grow in more fruit being produced in my life. Because did you notice he uses the word fruit? What does fruit do? It it grows. I mean, if you've had an, did you like that? That was like, is that charades? Is that the game? Like, it grows. We have a huge cherry tree in our backyard. And, and, I, and if you can get it before the worms get it, you know, the fruit's pretty good. But, but even now, you're seeing the fruit and it is growing. And we know that. And so there's this encouragement, like, yeah, wherever I am in the process, wherever I am in the journey of the fruit of the Spirit being produced in my life today, there's hope for tomorrow because it is only going to grow. So that means every one of us in this room who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, we all have the hope that you know what's going to grow in me? You know what's going to grow in you, Ryan? Love is going to grow in me. I mean, come on, doesn't that get exciting? Joy is going to grow in you. Peace is going to grow in you. Patience, forbearance is going to grow in you. Kindness. Isn't that encouraging that in this church, in this body of Christ, kindness and goodness and faithfulness is going to grow? Isn't it special to think in your life, your day-to-day life, that gentleness is going to grow? And the last one, boy, aren't you encouraged that in my life, in my flesh and bones, in my mind, in my heart, in my body, self-control is going to grow? pretty awesome isn't it pretty good now to give us a better understanding of what it all looks like we're going to take a step back kind of like we did with romans 12 kind of like what we did with philippians 4 kind of like emily did with james last week we're going to put this verse back into greater context kind of like what scott did with, with with the verse that he read which was so good by the way scott phenomenal but we're going to be in galatians chapter 5 starting in verse 13 and we're going to read all the way through 26 Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Hallelujah. (laughs) But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, you've got to watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. That is a good word. So I say, verse 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law, praise the Lord. The acts of the flesh, you know, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, he goes on, drunkenness, orgies, and just in case your, your fleshly thing wasn't in that list, he says, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, 
There is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen to this. This is important. Since we live by the Spirit, let us what? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Pretty good. Pretty good. So hopefully as you listen to this passage, you could hear these verses, right? 22 and 23. You heard these verses about this fruit of the Spirit. But hopefully you saw how they were are part of a larger message that Paul is trying to communicate about walking in the Spirit. Or how I read it, the translation I used, it said that you would be keeping in step with the Spirit. You caught that, right? Keeping in step with the Spirit. Now hopefully you notice that there's a contrast of walking with or keeping in step with the Spirit. It is contrasted with walking or living by the flesh. The Spirit and the flesh. Now as Christians, what do we choose, right? We choose not to indulge the flesh, but instead we choose to live by who? By the Spirit. Yeah, way to go. Two points. We choose to live by the Spirit of God. And so today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this. I want to explain, and I'm excited to explain, what living or walking by the Spirit actually looks like and what it looks like to have the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life. Before I go any further, let's ask the Lord to, uh, to speak. Lord, we know that you're already speaking in so many ways, and, and even coming into this morning, God, I, I just... I'm overwhelmed by who you are in the, in the move of your spirit in this land. But I, I, don't, I, I just know there's this desire within me and desire within many of us that there might be as many people as possible in the boat, <laughs> that there might be as many people as possible on the train, that, God, your plans will come to fruition. Your purposes are going to happen. But, Lord, that as many as possible in our region might be a part of your plans and purposes. That's what we desire, God, that in this room people would come alive in the mighty name of Jesus. And that's what we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to spend our time and we're going to finally arrive at the end of my message to what it looks like to have the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life. That's all what we want, right? Every one of us desires that kind of fruit to be produced in our lives and that's where we're going to end up. But first, we have to go back. And we're going to go all the way back to our conversion. Our conversion, that moment when we put our faith in Christ, when we became followers of Christ. Because we've got to remember as human beings... Because of sin entering the world through Adam and Eve, we were all born into this world with a nature that has been corrupted by sin. Right? That's not a real popular topic, but we are all under sin outside of Christ. The Bible says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one righteous, not even one. And because of this, because of this sin, we cannot enter God's presence. Our sin cannot enter His presence. We cannot enter His kingdom. But the Bible says, good news, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you believe in his death and resurrection, that Jesus actually pays the penalty for your sins. He removes your sins. He washes you clean, and he makes a way for you to be reconciled back to Father God. Praise the Lord. The Bible also tells us that when you believe in Jesus, you are given a new nature. New nature. This is so important for us to understand. We call this being born again. You ever heard that phrase before, born again? Maybe you've heard a Christian say that before back in uh, 1980s, going to the church I went to. We all said that we were born again believers. I didn't really know what it meant, but I thought it was cool. So we are born again. You know who says that we must be born again? 
Jesus, yeah, absolutely. Jesus tells us. He, he says, I'd say to you, unless one is born again, guess what? You cannot see the kingdom of God. So it's kind of important, isn't it? Nicodemus, he goes to Jesus. He says, how can a man be born when he's old? I, I love the thought process here of Nicodemus. He goes, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and born of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is what? Is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So as people who follow Christ, we are born again. We are spiritually reborn. You have to be spiritually reborn. I hope we understand it. That's the only way to get into the kingdom of God. And because of Jesus, that's exactly what happens even if you didn't know that's what happened that's what happened when you put your faith in jesus christ the spirit of god he creates in us something new remember ezekiel the ezekiel uh he was a prophet and he prophesied that god would take this heart of stone that rebels against god and instead he would replace it he would put in a new heart which trusts and follows god ezekiel goes on to say something amazing he says that the lord would put his spirit in us this is important Spiritually, something new happens to you and me when we put our faith in Jesus. Spiritually, we're reborn. Spiritually, we're born again. Spiritually, we come alive. Jesus says it. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so guess who's born of the Spirit? That's every one of us who professes Jesus as Lord, of Sa- Lord and Savior. So we are now people of the Spirit. You are a person of the Spirit. That means you are made new, but also made alive in the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. Right? This is good news. Good news. Born again. You can now tell your friends, I'm a born again believer, and you actually know what it means. Born again. Spiritually made new. Now it's important that we understand this whole spiritual rebirth. Now, I also want to add this. Who does this spiritual rebirthing? Is it a work that you do or is it a work that God does? Absolutely, God does it. We now get to live this amazing life full of God's regenerating spirit, not because of anything that I've done, not because of anything you've done, but because of a work that God has done. Our new lives are a direct result of God's spirit making us new. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the old is gone, but the new has come, born again because of a work of God by his Holy Spirit. So praise the Lord. Now we're alive. We are awake. We are spiritually born again in Jesus. But now what? Right? Now what? I mean, it's good news. Hallelujah. But what's next? We just read this verse. I want to read it again. It's a very important verse. Galatians chapter 5, 25. He says, if we live by the Spirit, if we're alive by the Spirit, awake by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. Right? If we live by the Spirit, then let us walk by the Spirit. So if the power of the Holy Spirit comes into us, makes us alive, awake in Christ, now the life that follows that incredible thing by the Spirit, the life that follows, the days that follow, the years that follow, they should be lived by the same power. 
by the same power. So if you're alive by the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, then let's also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit just with your mind's eye. Envision you walking with the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. Every believer has been called to walk by the Spirit. You are called to walk by the Spirit. It's just what you are called to in the name of Jesus Christ. To walk by the Spirit is to every day live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say power. Power. We got to understand the Holy Spirit. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in, in the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is giving us power to live each and every day. And there is a power to walk out the details of your life. Not just like the really grand things of where to work and who to marry, but in every detail of your life, there is power from the moment you wake up until you go to sleep. There is power from the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that each one of us would not be living by our own power, but we would be walking by the Spirit walking by the power of the Spirit from morning till night in everything and every way. The power of God. Walk by the Spirit. And for those of you walking by the Spirit, don't you just love walking by the Spirit? Isn't it just the coolest thing in the world? I mean, it is just this wave of grace of God, like, man, I did not deserve this, but boy, do I enjoy it. I love walking by the Spirit. Paul mentions walking by the Spirit in Galatians 5.25, like we just read. He also talks about walking in the Spirit a couple of verses before that. I think it's nine verses before that, Galatians 5.16. Listen to what he says. Paul says, uh, walk, he says, uh, walk by the Spirit, yea, but do not, let me say, do not, walk by the Spirit, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a great verse because Paul's letting us know the opposite of walking by the Spirit is what? It's gratifying, indulging, giving in to the desires of the flesh. Flesh, just meaning your ordinary, everyday human nature that is outside of Christ. That flesh, we talked about it on a board a couple of weeks ago. That flesh that has its mindset on earthly things instead of heavenly things, where you're trying to get your satisfaction, your fulfillment, your enjoyment from the things of this world instead of heaven. But when we walk by the Spirit, hallelujah, our mindset isn't on earthly things. Where is our mindset? Our mindset is on heavenly things. Things, heavenly things instead of the flesh. Look at verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So the flesh, it is producing a certain kind of desires. And the spirit is producing another kind of desires. And these desires are in conflict with each other. I don't have to tell anyone to that, that, right? You live that. You've experienced that. The spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. But I want to encourage you, if you are a Christ follower today, who is walking by the spirit, be encouraged. The spirit. This is truth. I'm not making this up. The Spirit is producing within you, right now, godly desires. Did you know that? Sometimes I just meet the most discouraged human beings who say they are followers of Christ. Be encouraged. The Spirit is inside of you, producing within you godly desires. Godly desires that you can trust. If you're walking by the flesh, though, if you're living by a different set of desires... The desires of the flesh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's going a little different. And maybe that's not too encouraging. That actually can be quite discouraging. But isn't it beautiful? That is 
Christ followers, as new creations, born again by God's Spirit, awake in Christ, alive in Christ, that the Holy Spirit is now in us, working in us, giving us new desires. Desires, by the way, that are contrary to the flesh. Now, without the Spirit of God, many people walking this earth without the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, you're just flesh. And that's tough. That's going to be a hard road to walk because Paul says in Romans chapter 7 verse 18 he says I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing so apart from the spiritual miraculous supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit none of our desires are good or holy by the way you start talking that way to your non-Christian friends and family that's not going to sit very well with them they're, they're going to think that that sounds just a little harsh but the word of God is so very clear. In our flesh dwells no good thing. In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, Paul declares, For the mind that is set on the flesh, it is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So that's why this new birth, being spiritually reborn, it's so powerful, but it's also so extremely important that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, He creates a whole new set of longings and desires other than the desires of the flesh. And so when we're walking by the Spirit, we are walking out the desires that the Spirit is giving to us. And by the way, desires that are no longer hostile to God. Praise the Lord. So this morning, if you're walking by the Spirit, that means you're walking by the desires of the Holy Spirit that He has given you. And by the way, this is exactly what God said He would do in that prophecy of Ezekiel. He says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you, says the Lord. And I will move you to follow my decrees. Hallelujah. A new heart, a new spirit. He said he'd put his spirit within us, cause us to walk in his statutes, to follow his, his decrees. I want us to feel that today. Feel that. And when we're walking by the spirit, we are experiencing the fulfillment of this prophecy. The Holy Spirit producing in us desires for God's way. Desires that are stronger than our fleshly desires. His spirit moving within us, working within us so that we might follow his decrees again don't you just love being a christian it is so good and then verse 18 but if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law i want you to notice that it says we are led by the spirit when you are walking by the spirit you are being led by the spirit so who's leading in the relationship you or god If you're being led by the Holy Spirit, who's leading? You or God? Yeah, it's funny because we don't really do that. A lot of times what I do is I just kind of live my life and then I try to get God to come along. Like, God, I could really use you right now to accomplish my plans and my purposes. So if you could just help me. Have you ever done that? Right? You just kind of carry him along. Or you kind of put him in your back pocket, take out the get out of jail free uh, card uh, every once in a while and ask Jesus to save the day. But no, who's leading? God is leading god's leading we don't lead him he leads us he's leading he's initiating things he's stirring us up he's prompting us he's directing us he's whispering into our ears he's speaking to us he's correcting us he's leading us not the other way around and how are we led again we're led because he's giving us these desires he's waking us up some of us just need to wake up by the spirit of god may he wake you up 
the Spirit of God make you come alive. Open your hearts. Isn't it beautiful if you've, if you've had this happen in your life where the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart and opens the eyes of your heart, but He actually opens up your literal eyes too. Have you noticed that? Like your eyes, just, it's like you see different things when you're awake in the Spirit of God. You hear different things when you're awake to the Spirit of God. You're open to God and also to His kingdom. The Spirit is leading you, creating desires within you to obey God. But then you and I, you know what we do when we have those desires within us? We walk it out. We walk it out by obeying those desires, putting those desires into action. Next several verses, Paul compares the works of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit. He gives some lists. Paul's really into lists, I've noticed as I've been reading the Bible. But here's a a couple of lists he gives you in verse 19. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions. He's really excited about writing this list. And envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he's like, I got another list. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, say it with me, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So you got the works or the acts of the flesh, and then you got the fruit of the Spirit. Opposite of each other, right? You don't even need me to tell you that. You can just look at the list and you go, yes, Pastor Dan, they are opposite of each other. Now hold on to that thought. In fact, could you put that back up? And we'll just leave this this passage up here. I'm going to go back to verse 16. And we already read it. I want to read it again while you're looking at this passage. Verse 16 says, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, as you look at this passage, verses 19 through 23, you could say that as you walk by the Spirit, you're going to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life. But as you gratify or indulge the desires of the flesh, you're going to see the acts of of the flesh produced in your life. Again, you don't even need me to tell you that. You've seen it in your own life. I've seen it in my own life. It's just the truth. So it's so important that we walk by the Spirit, where we give Him permission to lead us everywhere in every way so that He might produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. I want to add this. May I be so bold to say that walking by the Spirit basically refers to one kind of behavior. And that is a loving behavior. See, our verse today, Galatians 5, 22, the first thing mentioned. What's the first thing mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Love. Love is emphasized even more in verses 13 and 14. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free. Woohoo! But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Oh. <laughs> Rather, use your freedom, what? To love, to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. What? To love your neighbor as yourself. So we just looked at how those works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, they're contrasted in verses 19 through 23. Looking at verses 13 and 14, what I just read, now he's saying that giving into the flesh, that is contrasted with love, with serving one another through love. Isn't that interesting? That serving one another in love, that is contrasted with indulging in the flesh. 
So love, again, love is the lifestyle of one who is not living by the flesh, not indulging in the flesh, but love, the lifestyle of love, that is someone who is being led by the Spirit, is walking by the Spirit and bearing and the fruit of the Spirit of God. Tracking with me? But even in this area of love, we've got to mention this as well, a lot of asterisks in this sermon today, I don't want to lead you astray. Love, we've got to get this as well, love is a byproduct of what God is doing in your life, of walking in the Spirit. So loving your neighbor isn't just an attempt, attempt of me just kind of muscling up a bunch of willpower. Have you done this before? And you're like, I'm going to love you. Ah. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. Love is actually a part of the fruit of the Spirit, of what God is doing inside of you, a work that God is doing, not a work that you're doing. So even in this command to love your neighbor, it has to flow from being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, so the fruit of the Spirit can be produced in you. Now practically, how do we walk by the Spirit? I just want to give us some steps. By the way, anytime you give steps, uh, they're wrong, right? There, there aren't steps to all this, but uh, I want to hopefully bring some clarity uh, to what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. Because there's probably a thousand steps, right? A million steps. Uh, living for the Lord, it's very crazy and awesome, but it's not narrowed down into five steps. But with that being said, here we go. Step number one. That's, that's funny. First, we just got to come to grips to who we are outside of God's Spirit. That we are dead outside of His Spirit. Again, it's not very encouraging, but it's just the truth. I already read it. I want to read it again. Romans 7, 18. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. We're in a world of hurt. Without God's Spirit coming into our lives, we have to understand that Jesus is a necessity to our lives. Jesus is not just an option. I find a lot of people who Jesus is just kind of option. Like maybe I'll try Jesus. Maybe I'll try Chinese food. It's just like he's this option or maybe an addition to your life, right? I'm just going to kind of live my life and then, oh, there's Jesus. He looks kind of good. I'll just add Jesus to my life. He is not an option. He is not addition. He is everything. Jesus is everything. We need the Lord to come into our lives to actually breathe on our dead bodies and make us come alive. It reminds me of what Jesus tells us uh, and tells his disciples in John 15, much like what Scott just talked about. Jesus tells his disciples, and he's telling us today, he says, you know what? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, I got good news. You know what's going to happen? You're going to bear fruit. Praise the Lord. But he says, apart from me, you can do everything. Oh, no. You can do nothing, sorry. You can do nothing. He actually believes that. I actually believe that. I think that's the truth. I've lived long enough <laughs> to know that apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. So practically, we have to first admit that we need Jesus, that outside Jesus we're dead, and we need him to make us come alive. So many people will never get to that place of humility where you admit your desperate need for a Savior. Many people will never get to that place. But we have to realize we're nothing without Jesus. We need Jesus to come in, to fill us with the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God to come into our lives, that we might be born again so that he might have his way in our lives. And if you've never truly surrendered to God, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, yielded to him, asked him to fill you up, asked him to lead you, pray. Pray to the Lord. Ask him today. 
Who cares about yesterday? Today's a really good day. Ask him today. Earlier I read that prophecy from Ezekiel 36. It says, I'm going to put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Maybe you need to pray that to God today. Just God, I need you to put your spirit within me because I want to walk according to your statutes and I want to obey your commands. And when you give the spirit of God, when you give the Holy Spirit permission to come into your life in this way, I'm telling you, things change. Things change. When you give the Holy Spirit permission to come alive in you and to lead you, it is the most glorious, liberating, powerful experience. In church, it's kind of a Christianese phrase, but we call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard of the baptism of the of the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in the Spirit, meaning uh, the Spirit just came upon me and began to move in me like never before when I was 18 years old. At that time, by the way, I didn't know what it was called. Even as I was sitting there, I wasn't like, I am now being baptized by the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that. But here's the deal. My sister Joy and her husband Adam, they were over at Central Washington University, and they had come to Seattle, to a church in Seattle, to go to a passion conference. It was a, uh, it was a worship night full of college students. I was a senior at, at Auburn Riverside High School, and so I drove up by myself up into Seattle to go to this worship night. That worship night, I'm telling you, I couldn't believe it. I had never been anything like that before in my life. I was surrounded by hundreds upon hundreds of college students who were passionately pursuing the Lord. I mean, there was people on the floor. There were people with their hands. These were normal people. I didn't know normal people did this kind of thing. There was people with their hands raised. There was wailing. It was the first time I ever heard wailing. You just imagine 500 college students being silent before the Lord. And then in the balcony, you'd hear just a gut-wrenching cry of a repentant heart, a gut-wrenching cry of a lost soul just crying out to Jesus, crying out to the Lord. And I remember I sang a song where I just said, I, I'm desperate for you. I'd never heard this song before in my life, but I'm singing. And I, I'm lost without you. Tears streaming down my face, hands raised on my knees. The Lord just began to fill me up to overflowing. But see, I didn't even really know what was going on. I didn't, I, I, again, I, I didn't know, like, well, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know how I knew? It was afterwards, like days and weeks and months afterwards. The more I lived from that night, the more I realized that just things were different. Things were different because you got to remember, I was a Christian before then. I, in fact, I believe the Holy Spirit was inside of me before then. But I had never given him permission to have his way in my life, to be the king of my house. You know what I'm talking about. He might be in the house, but he's not the king of your house. That you have given permission. Yeah, he might be hanging out on the sofa, but you have to give him permission to reign in your house. I'd never asked him to be the priest of my temple. And here I am, days and weeks and months afterwards, just like, wow, something's happening. Somebody's moving inside of me. My desires are changing. The things I talk about are changing. The things I, I'm saying, they're changing. I wasn't perfect after that. I, I'm still quite imperfect in a lot of the things I say and do. But ever since that night, I can say this with confidence. Ever since that night, from the depths of who I am, I know that the Lord is in me. And I know that He is moving in me. And because of His Spirit deep within me, I desire 
to please the Lord. I have that confidence about my life. Do you have that confidence about your life? I just know that at the deepest levels of who I am, I love to worship God, to please the Lord. By the way, I still indulge in the flesh from time to time. You can tweet that, Facebook it, whatever you need to do. I still indulge the flesh from time to time. But those moments of sin, they are not who I am. They are not who I am. I am a spirit-filled and spirit-led follower of Jesus Christ who is living by the power of God within me. And some of you today, some of you, you just might need to take time to pray to God. Ask him to fill you to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. Get real, right? I mean, just we, some of us have played the game of religion for long enough. It might be time to tear your clothes, to pray to God, to ask him to fill you to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. Give him permission to reign in your life, to rule, to be the king of your heart. And if that's stirring within you, and I think it is in some of you, it is okay to cry out to the Lord, just like the psalmist cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. And I confidently believe that. He will hear that cry. He will answer that cry. And you will never be the same. And then next, whether today is the first day of walking by the Spirit or you've been walking and being led by the Spirit for decades, every one of us must put our trust and put our faith in the Holy Spirit. We must trust and put our faith in the Holy Spirit. We must believe, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, that as we live under the grace of God, sin no longer has dominion over us. That we can reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive in, to God in Christ Jesus. we got to put our trust and our faith in God. Count on the Holy Spirit who made us alive, who made us come alive. When we were dead in sin, came in, made us alive. Trust that the one who had the power to make us come alive, trust that he still has the power to lead us forward. You got to have faith. Oh, that's, that would be a great song. You got to have faith. Wow, that's hilarious. But you got to have faith. You got to trust. You got to believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead you. If you're a son or daughter of God sitting in this room today, I'm telling you, this isn't an if or maybe. It's just the truth. He's going to lead you. Paul says that in Romans chapter 8. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, you know who they are? These are the sons and daughters of God. So as a member of his family, and most of you are a member of his family, you have the privilege, you have the right of being led by the Holy Spirit. You can trust that he's going to give you godly desires that will give you victory over the desires of the flesh. Life spring, come on. I mean, can we rise up in faith? Can we rise up and trust that the Holy Spirit is inside of us and that he's giving us the desires of God and giving us the power to obey the desires of God and that he's always going to be faithful to give us the ability to walk out God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. And then let that faith grow within you. Faith, faith, faith. Let it grow within you. Remember, it's a journey. It's a process. None of us are perfect, right? None of us have arrived yet. But some of us, we're just so good at condemning ourselves, we just never take the risk of actually stepping out in faith. Let faith grow within you. Let faith and trust grow within you. If tr uh, faith and a trust, maybe some of you just need to say this today. I will walk by your spirit. Lord, I desire to walk by your spirit. Lord, I desire to see the fruit of the spirit produced in my life. I believe in you, Lord. I trust in you, Lord. And I believe that you are going to give me the power to do all that you have created me to do. And then after you pray that prayer, and I hope some of you pray that prayer, you got to walk it out. 
got to walk it out. After you've asked for the Holy Spirit's empowerment, enablement, you got to go for it. You got to go for it. I think most Christians, this is where we get stuck, right here. And this is a choice that God is never going to make for you. It's your choice. It's your decision to walk it out. To walk out what God has placed within you. So you got to be all in. You got to be all in. If living for the Lord was a pool, you got to jump all the way in, right? It's not waiting in the kiddie pool or the shallow end. You got to cannonball into the deep end of the Lord. Trust that Jesus is going to lead you. Not only is he going to lead you, he's going to help you. You know who was really good at this? Paul, the Apostle Paul. Uh, he had a lot of emotions. He had highs and he had lows, but he also said that he gave up everything for the sake of Christ. Remember that? He said, I consider everything garbage comparing to knowing Christ. This man who gave up everything in Galatians chapter 2, so three chapters before our passage today in chapter 2, verse 20, he says this. This is radical. This is radical. Ask yourself if this statement is true for you. I hope it is. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Man, we just let that roll off our tongues like it's no big deal. But that is radical, church. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But who lives in me? Christ lives in me. That means you got to let go. you got to let the Lord live inside of you, come alive in you. I am no longer living. It is no longer Dan Burst living. No, it is Christ in me who lives. you got to let him lead you. you got to let him help you from the inside out. So acknowledge your helplessness. We're so prideful. But we got to acknowledge our helplessness that without Christ, I am dead. Without Christ, I can do nothing. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come into your life, to make you come alive, to give you the desires of God's kingdom. But then you got to trust that he'll give you the power to do the things of God's kingdom. Trust that the Almighty is at work in you, giving you the will and the power to do whatever he has called you to do. And believe that he's actually, as he's leading you, he is also helping you. He is helping you. You. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Beloved, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So don't just sit there and kind of twiddle your thumbs. Work it out. You know why? Because God, look at this verse, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to please Him. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because God is working in you. God is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's probably one of the most encouraging verses we have in the entire Bible, that God is working in us. Anyone else kind of encouraged by that? That as you live your life, your morning till night life, that you're not alone? You're not just trying to muscle up a bunch of self-power to do this thing? That God is in you? God is working in you? That desire you have, think about the desire you have right now to do right, to do good. That's coming from the Holy Spirit within you. Isn't that precious? That comes from a work that he is doing inside of you. That's such an encouragement to me because sometimes life gets a little rough, don't you know? But I can trust that God hasn't abandoned me in those times. I am not helpless. Instead, he is helping me. He is resourcing me in times of crisis, in times of hardship. He is moving at work in me, giving me the desire, but also the power to do what he's called me to do. As Peter declares in 1 Peter 4.11, this is an encouragement. Let him who serves, that's every person in this church, as we go out and serve this world, he says, let him who serves, serve in the strength which who supplies, which God supplies within us, that in everything God may get the glory. 
the Holy Spirit of God wants to lead you, but he also wants to empower you and help you so you can do what he's calling you to do. And then finally, and I want to close with this. Worship team, you can come on up. If you want to be walking by the Spirit, you have to be someone who thanks the Lord for his help. Thanks the Lord for his empowerment. To be a thankful person, a person of gratitude and thanksgiving. If it's the Holy Spirit who makes us alive, stirs us up, wakes us up, leads us, empowers us, helps us, then could we, as the body of Christ, turn to him with all of our brothers and sisters and thank him. Thank him. Not for the work we've done, but for the work that he is doing and will continue to do for as long as we're on this earth. This work of producing fruit in our lives, fruit of the Spirit. Could we praise him for the work that he's doing inside of us? We must be a grateful and thankful people. So there it is. That's what it looks like to live a life where you're walking by the Holy Spirit of God. And in church, as you and I live our lives and we don't know how long we got, but as long as we are living these lives, our day-to-day, week-by-week, month-by-month, year-by-year, decade-by-decade lives, I honestly believe that we're going to see, alive in Christ, we're going to see, as we walk it out, we're going to see, in ever-increasing measure, we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in our lives. I have a confidence in that. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in many of your lives. But the encouragement for today is sometimes Christians get so depressed about tomorrow. But tomorrow, you're just going to be just that much more like Christ. Right? Just a little bit more loving. A little bit more full of joy. Peace. Just a little bit more, right? Growing in the things of God. I think as Christians, as followers of Christ, that's what we all want for our lives. I believe that. At our deepest levels, we want fruit to be produced in our lives, right? We don't want to waste our lives. We want to be a blessing to the world around us. We want people to experience the love of Christ through us and in us. We want to shine His light. We want to make a difference. Right? If I said raise your hands, everyone would raise their hands. Absolutely, Pastor Dan. But we got to understand this. This amazing fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, it's what we want for our lives, but more importantly, it's what God wants for your life. God wants that for you. He wants your life to flourish. (laughs) He wants you to live an abundant life, a life that blossoms and shines and displays His goodness and displays His grace and displays His love. And I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you let Him, if you give Him permission, By His Holy Spirit, He's going to give you everything you need to do all that He's called you to do. Let's pray.